Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Sports betting season is in full force. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. And you will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code 5. That's the word 5, F-I-V-E. They also have re-up and referral bonuses as well. Follow my lead and open an account with BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. Let me tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football this season. Just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog Fantasy handles it all for you. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. You can even bring over your home league over to underdogfantasy.com. You get $25 upon sign-up, so you can take a free shot at a million-dollar grand prize for their fantasy football tournament. Again, you get $25 free in bonus cash when you use the code 5RSN to sign up. It has never been easier to take a shot at a million-dollar prize in their best ball mania tournament. Go to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or Google Play Store, use the promo code 5RSN, and get $25 in bonus cash. Sign up. Today, You Break Wheel Fix is a wheel repair and remanufacturing company with over 20 years of experience. They specialize in complete wheel repair, repairing wheels from curb rash, bends, and cracks. They also specialize in refinishing from polishing, machining, and custom colors that will suit your car's needs. Lastly, You Break Wheel Fix offers a full array of factory and custom wheel and tire applications. Contact them at 305-748-0112. That's 305-748. 7480112 or at you break wheel fix on all social platforms. This show is brought to you by Lewis Peters State Farm, agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States for more than 60 years, combined experience in the insurance industry. Local agents that understand South Florida's unique market, you have access to them 24/7, walk in, call in, click in through lewispeters.com. You can find them online on social media at SF Agent Peters, or you can call at 305-275-5585. Remember, lewispeters.com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Chris Kaufman with me. We do not have Simon Clancy as he is in the hospital. He has a bout with appendicitis. He has informed me that he'll be he'll try to be on the show on Wednesday. We wish him well. Chris, hello. 
some really impressive uh, pictures coming out of the hospital with uh, with Simon. So yeah, uh, I, I know. I, I don't know yeah. if we're gonna post them. Pretty no, pretty 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 nasty stuff. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But maybe he wants to post them. You know, you never yeah, know. Maybe yeah, never know. Maybe we post them on OnlyFans. Another oh, that's what else? What else is our OnlyFans for? Yeah, if not what, for what? really inappropriate pictures. Yeah, what, what, you know, you didn't think you got your three dollars worth. Oh come on, wait till we give you this. Oh, you man. might want to send us more money, right? Oh, definitely. Oh boy, see Simon, see, see Simon with a. With a, a, a stomach bag. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> I was watching that and I was like, "Oh boy, thank God I've never had none of this." That's Christ. You know, and, and I so hope I, I'm not jinxing myself. How does he get? That. How does he? How does he keep getting himself into, into this? Like he was the first one of us. Well, actually, the only one of us, right, to get COVID. Yeah. Right. And, and oh, I don't and know. He maybe got, I he got it real COVID. early too. He got it real yes. early. I think and, he got it like three or four times too. <laughs> and and like he didn't just like get it, he got it bad. Yeah, he got it bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, now now he's now he's like in the hospital. Like I thought I you know, I thought I've told cleaned you, up. I I suspect that I was patient zero because before the pandemic, like in December, everybody in my family was really, really sick. Uh my daughter and my wife, they had like the flu. And then I got really, really sick for a day. And the doctor was like, no, you got some strange strain of the flu. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah sure enough. <laughs> well, I do remember there was actually at that time, there was a there was a strain of the flu going around as well. And, yeah. you know, what kills me is I was in Miami for the Super Bowl. And like, you know, I have absolutely no doubts that I was just I was just rubbing elbows with COVID infected people all over the place. Like, because it was <laughs> yeah. it was just like silent at that point. Like, you know, nobody it was out there, but like nobody knew. So. Yeah, nobody say it. Yeah, <laughs> nobody exactly. say it out loud, and maybe it goes away. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it was it was there. It was it was there. Like, you know, in retrospect, we're like, oh wow, yeah. That probably was all all the way around everywhere. Yeah, but anyway, let's lead in with some news. John oh, yes. Gruden resigns. John Gruden has resigned, or it plans to resign from well, Las Vegas reports. Raiders. That is per Tom Pelissero, uh, which is a pretty reliable report, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, this is this this came to a head really quick. And how 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 lucky is Urban Meyer right now? I mean, seriously, Urban Meyer was like, like everybody's like, oh, how's he gonna, how's he gonna, how's he gonna recover from this? And and then John Curtin's emails come out. Brian Flores. Oh, Brian Flores. <laughs> yes. There's lucky whispers on him too. Yeah. Uh, oh, are there are there whispers that Brian Flores has some like bad emails floating around there somewhere no there, there's whispers that that there's a bunch of people that just don't like them and they'll do anything they can to drum up as much pressure as possible in the hopes that by kicking him when he's down they'll get him the hell out of here sooner uh, rather than later yeah well you know part of it is part of it is i think that self-inflicted yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean there's 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 a bit of an anti-media thing that uh that many of us have all noticed uh Yes. And um and so, you know, is when you're down, nobody's going to help you kick out. You. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's a Yeah, so sometimes sometimes uh, you know, nobody's rushing to your aid here. 
Yeah, no, nobody is, you know. Yeah. But evidently, it reaches farther than media. And I promise you, oh, definitely, yeah. we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about this game. Well, we're gonna try to talk about <laughs> about this uh, game. I don't know what we can say. I don't know it. if our dear listener even wants to hear about the game, but we'll we'll no. see. You want you want to do five minutes on the game, and then let's get into you know perform has said and the way forward you want to you want to do that first you want to do five minutes yeah sure this, well, let get, let's get this out of the way okay let, let's get this let's get this this godforsaken game out of the way offense looked better we're gonna we're gonna go piece by piece but let's start with uh the defense uh tom brady has played five thousand years in this league okay yeah Thanks. all right i don't know how many games that translates to thousands uh, maybe yeah. millions by, by now right five yeah seven 5, super bowl championships 16. He's played in what eleven conference championship games. He owns eighteen division titles. You witnessed if you sat through that whole thing, and I did. You know, you know, I'm a masochist. You know, at this point, I also want to inform myself. You know, uh, to do this show, so I sat through it. Although, if I were a fan, I would have checked out. You know, I would have checked out somewhere in the middle of the fourth quarter. But if you saw that game. You witnessed Tom Brady have the greatest game in his career, and it's it's is that latest. the greatest game of his career, really? It's the I only. Mean, time well, statistically, in, it's the only time he did five touchdowns and four hundred yards, right? Yeah, and it's also the highest passer rating of his career, also in a game. So was yeah. it was it a perfect rating? He never had one, a perfect rating. No, one forty four is what he had in this. I'm game. Su- I'm I'm actually surprised that he's never had a. I mean. Doug Flutie's had a perfect rating in a game before. I mean, for fuck's sake. But yeah, I was also surprised that this is the first time he threw 400 yards and five touchdowns. And I was going to, I was going to put was something too. snarky. I was going to put something snarky on my Twitter account, but you know, yeah. I didn't feel up felt, to it because felt like the, team had just been, the team had just gotten killed because I was yeah. about to say, whoa, it's taken Brady 21 years to throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. Dan Marino did it in his second year in the AFC Championship game. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy, yeah. Uh, it just doesn't feel right. It just to... doesn't feel right to do that on a day when he's just absolutely beating the piss out of the Miami Dolphins. Like, right? It's just like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, th- there's no point to do that. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right, there's, right. Just, there's just no point anymore. That's one of those where Marino's watching this game and was like, "Oh, really? I, I did that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marino, he's not year. even thinking about that. He's probably just like grimacing and taking shots of whiskey. <laughs> At this point, yes. At this point, you just gotta and 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 I, and I think you you don't even light up a cigar. I think you go straight to no, I don't. Cigarettes. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I'll just go <laughs> or the hard stuff, maybe some meth, <laughs> yeah, or crack. You know, oh. maybe it's time to take up crack. You know, you can't get addicted addicted hey. to it at this age anyway, right? No, I no, I I think that's all a myth anyway. Yeah, I don't think you get addicted to crack right no, now. You don't no. get addicted to crack. That's the, <laughs> the drug. That's what the drug companies want you to believe. So you know, obviously we're on the defense, and then we'll move on to the offense. That high flying dolphin offense, which you know, worked up a little bit. Woo, you know. But you were there. You were. I was there. I was you, there. You were. You were on the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the scene. This was awful. Um. Tell me yeah, about so that I, defense. So I had a I had a nice uh, bird's eye view because you know up in the box, um, and so I was I was really taking a look on on both sides of the ball. I was just trying to get a get a good eye eye for the coverage and what what they were trying to do and stuff. And 
It just seemed to me, I said it on Twitter before, it just seemed to me like um, from the start of the game, through the middle of the game, all the way to the end of the game, um, what seemed to be the the key, you know, the keystone piece that just crumbled was the Miami Dolphins have a defense that's sort of built on the on the highest paid corner tandem in maybe in NFL history. Um, and you know, and they need to play like that. And when they I have don't something on that, by the way, uh, uh, I believe by percentage, on that? by percent, uh, well, in actual dollars, yes, you're up in actual right. dollars. They're, they're, they're definitely by the percentage of cap. I believe the Eagles had a defense with, um, with Namdi oh, Asamoah um, and Namdi and, uh, and was, was who was, who was the other guy? Oh, it's gonna, was it Bobby something? Yeah, Bobby Taylor, I believe it was. Bobby Taylor. Was yes. Namdi and Bobby were, were on the same team, right? Yeah, and as a percentage of the cap, I think they were their number one. They were uh, okay. number one. All right. Well, then, so, I mean, but in dollars, in a sense, these are the highest paid yeah. corner tandem in, in mm-hmm. NFL history. So you, you need them to play. You need them to – you build around them and things get layered, you know, on top of, of – and then that fails – then um, it can really set off some other problems. And I think that that's kind of what happened. So there are two things that were happening at the same time, though. Um, you know, one, the, the clearly there was an effort by the Bucks to go big, lots of tackle eligible. I mean, that's just, I, I can't even remember how many times, like, I heard the big announcement in the box of, you know, number 72, being an eligible receiver or something like that. But, um, you know, it's uh, lots of tackle eligible, going big, big personnel, uh, and then just like, hey, we're just going to line up and knock you knock you down because they have an exceptionally powerful back in, um, in Leonard Fournette. And mm-hmm. obviously Jerome Baker is not a big, powerful linebacker. Um, so, they, you know, they were going to try this out. And, and you know what? I think that Miami's sort of okay with that. Like, I, I know everybody's going to be like, oh, we can't stop the run. We can't stop. But, but I think that's not going to get you that kind of point production, you know, being able to do that. It has mm-hmm. to be, it has to be more than that. And, um, and I think that uh, I think where it really failed for Miami is that those corners couldn't play like they're supposed to play. And, um, and I don't know if it was injury. I don't know if, it, you know, what it was or whether, whether they just kind of had a really, I mean, keep in mind, Tom Brady knows Xavier Howard pretty well. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and when he was with the Patriots, they have taken advantage of Xavier Howard before. Uh, I remember a Patriots game where they threw three touchdowns on Xavier Howard, you know? Um, and, and they so they, they sort of have an idea of what he's good at and what he's not good at. And I got the feeling throughout the game that they were setting him up to take advantage of what he's not good at. And when the Dolphins start trying to adjust to, you know, okay, well, we can't do this anymore, then you know, maybe they start they start putting him as well as other players on the defense in positions that they're, you know, not as good executing or 
and and also Tom Brady can predict the adjustment and be like, well, not, now now this is what I'm going to do. So once once he knocks you off balance like that, hmm. it just kind of sets off this this punch counter punch you know um, combination thing that happens. And it was I was just knocking the defense silly. And uh, I think, but I do think it all started with that kind because, you know, Tom Brady, everybody thinks he's kind of like a machine, like he's this, you know, perfect scheme quarterback and stuff. But I, I think that's a mischaracterization of, um, of him in his entire career. Tom Brady above and above uh, all plays the game very personally. He makes everything in the game personal. And by that, I mean, like if he sees one little thing, one little tell uh, in a player on the field uh, or on the sidelines or, you know, before the game, they've decided this player is questionable in this, you know, in this capacity. Uh, he's going to put a bullseye on that guy and he is going to he is going to find him and find him and find him again until it just splits wide open. And um, and I think that that's I think he does that because, you know, he he has a great feel for. Um, you know, basically just looking a player in the eyes while he moves his piece. And I, I think that um, he can set people up that way and he can predict what you're going to have to do uh, in order to in order to cover up that weakness that he's exploited. And and then he just you know, he's he's with it. He's got a great feel and, and instincts for for the flow of the game that way and the back and forth. And um, and I think that he just did that. He played that one to perfection. Um with with starting with those two corners and uh it's just it just really went downhill yeah i, I completely agree uh, uh on one particular play let's uh the antonio brown 62 yard touchdown if you watch yep. it from the higher view i'm not so sure if nick needham needed to come off of his man to pinch that 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 hash because yeah. i there's no way that the scheme asks for Xavier Howard to follow Antonio Brown all the way across the formation like that on that cross. Well, but they, they commonly do. I mean, Miami's defense, they commonly do. And, um, and this is, Which this is, is terrible something design, that's, by the way. Right. I mean, and, and you can call it questionable design and it has been taken advantage of before. So, um, so it's, it's, you know, but in particular, I don't think Xavier Howard has ever been that great at it. Hmm. Um, and I think that, Tom Brady, who knows Xavier Howard pretty well by now, um, knows kind of knows what he's what he's not great at. And I think that they were setting I think they were not only, you know, setting him up to, to take advantage of things that he's not great at that way. I think that they were also, you know, setting us setting him up, um, you know, with with some of the doing doing executing some things that he is actually decent at. And, and just kind of keeping keeping that stuff in the back of his head so that, you know, he doesn't start adjusting and um, and doing better on those uh, over the middle stuff. Another thing he's not good at is he's never been very good at is, you know, those rub routes and, and picks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, he he's he's never been particularly great at negotiating that. Um, and I know other players have to be good at it, too. And I think there was a, a play like that. Um, where you know people talk, people question Jerome Baker what he did on the mm-hmm. play, um, but he's never been particularly good at that. And uh, and and so in the second half, I, you could see it. 
Miami actually adjusted something so that they weren't asking Xavier Howard to do that anymore. But it blew up in their face. (laughs) (laughs) Like when they, when they, when they adjusted, you know, Tom Brady was on it. He knew what was coming as for, for the adjustment. And, um, and then that, that touchdown to Mike Evans at the end, were not the big one over Byron because that was just perfect pass. And, you know, obviously Byron just couldn't keep up. Um, the other one where we're like, who who's supposed to pick that guy up? Was it supposed to be Javon Holland? Was it supposed to be? If you look at that, there's like, there's question like Xavier Howard is, is pre-snap motioning like he's in man. And then he drops back into zone, except he drops back into like the wrong zone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You see that there's two guys standing in the same zone. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, one of you is not supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I, again, this is like Miami had to make an adjustment, um, because of what had been what had been blown open in that first half, and the adjustment blew up in their face. And um, and that's 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 the kind of thing that can happen. Perfect, uh, perfect storm. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to talk about. Do they miss Bobby McCain? And let me and let me get to it on this. Uh, it's been two weeks where they run these little rub routes, these little switch releases, and we're completely lost on them. And usually, yeah. the guy that has to call the numbers on that is a free safety. And I know Jason McCordy has played all right. You know, he's about, he's he's a better player than Bobby McCain. I think I think he is. But last year, I did a I did a video, and it was a Seattle game. It was a game where you know they absolutely got torched by Russell by Russell Wilson. But in that game, they even had no Igbenogany playing. And Bobby McCain was getting everybody lined up perfectly all game. And I kept showing play after play how Seattle was running it incessantly. Like almost every single play had a switch release or, you know, or had some type of rub route. And the Dolphins were, were calling the switches perfectly every single play, play after play after play after play. It seems to be something that's getting them this year. What's the difference? Like, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I, I this I'll be one hundred percent honest. I'm not in that room, and you know, in that film room, and I, I cannot. I, it's above my pay grade to be able to say. Um, it's a fair question to ask, but um, but I think that well, what something that you have to keep in mind also is that um, in this game, uh, Javon Holland played like virtually every snap, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, how much, how much did Jason McCourty, I'm looking it up now, but how much did Jason McCourty even play? He had a big hit. Um, so, so I I don't think, uh, I mean, I saw him, I I remember I saw him late in the game. It was like, it was basically everybody taking their turn, getting abused by (laughs) Antonio Brown, including Jason McCourty at the end. It was like, Jesus, this guy. <laughs> you yeah, want to hear because it was it really was it was Xavier Howard, and then it was Eric Rowe, <laughs> and then Jason McCourty, and you know it's, it's just really it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But Jason McCourty only played twenty seven snaps in the game, and um, mm. and Javon Holland was you know the guy, and and so maybe it is fair to question whether uh, whether there's there's something missing getting everybody lined up back there. Yeah, uh, obviously. Uh, you want to hear a really, really hot take? They have uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have Chris Godwin. They have Mike Evans. I think Antonio Brown's their best wide receiver because I think he's back to what he was in Pittsburgh. Well, it's in, it's in certain situations though. You know, mm-hmm. Miami loves to play man, right? And yeah. um, and 
and you know of those receivers so Mike Evans man if you find if you find him and man down the field like without the safety help you know Jesus just throw, <laughs> just throw it right um, yeah yeah when uh, uh yeah when, when God was creating uh, the earth or was it on the seventh they said that he rested no he sat down and said you know what I gotta create a big wide receiver first yeah. let me make Calvin Johnson then I'm gonna yeah. make Mike Evans. and then I'm gonna make Mike Evans you know and and so like and that that burned us with Byron Jones um when they found him that way but Antonio I mean if there's there's a, if there's a specialty of his right it's it's man coverage he's just gonna shake it all day and um and I think that that's uh you know they Miami gave him the opportunity to shine I think personally just in the way mm-hmm. that they play defense the style um and uh you know that it was it was a nice it was a nice combination for for him to do really well but i think that um miami were kind of damned if they did and damned if they didn't because like against tom brady in in the old days like miami if you remember we would play man um like two deep man under or something and Mm -hmm. uh and just you know rush with our four pass rushers and it would kind of drive them crazy a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, they would drive Peyton Manning crazy too sometimes. Um, but, and so, so man coverage can, can get them, but, um, but then, then they, they really started to expansively using all those picks and rubs and stuff like that. And, and that's the answer. And then the other answer that Tom has always had is that like, he can, he can figure out who's, who's got a weakness right now and, and why, yeah. you know, and what situation is going to, is going to kill him. Yeah. And, and let me say that's, that's like my only get off my lawn take that I have. I'm so sick of all those rub routes and, and, oh, yeah. and pick plays. It's just illegal. That's not, that's not real football. That's, well, that's, that's you're playing basketball with playing uh, basketball with at that point. <laughs> yeah. You're playing basketball. Like I understand. Okay. I'm going to set a pick. Of course, you know, you're playing basketball. You can move around a pick. You can get around a pick. In right. football, you really can't. Okay, it's football pick and roll, man. It's like <laughs> you know they gotta get rid of it. It's just it's it's a mess. And if you saw that, if you saw the Cleveland, did you see any of that Cleveland Browns? Oh uh, no, I didn't. I didn't watch it at all. I'll, LA Chargers game. By the way, your moment was in there. Okay, they missed a, uh, an extra point. Chargers makes the extra point. Cleveland has the ball with three minutes and 42 seconds. Does, it, does this sound familiar to you? Nah. Up one. Oh, wow, yeah. Needing. Sounds familiar. Yeah, you know what they did? What? Pass, run, run. Uh, punt. Pass, run, run, pass, punt. Pass, run, run, punt. And they gave it back to Dan Marino Jr. as he drives it right down the field. <laughs> and then they actually yeah. screwed up because the Chargers – it was hilarious. Look, because look, I, I I tweeted today, and of course, I'm trying to be funny on Twitter. You know, it's you know, I'm not writing the Gettysburg Address out there. I'm trying to make a joke, right? And I said, you know, Justin Herbert has a historically bad defense to contend with, but I'm pretty sure that his coach is an imbecile. Okay, <laughs> because Staley got the ball at the five yard line. See if if you're following me here, right? They get the ball at the five yard line, right? And there's no more timeouts left. And there's 30 seconds left. Okay. So you could, you could run down all the clock. You still have your timeout. So you could run down all the clock and kick less than an extra point. You're going to kick it from the, you know, the two right, yard right. line. We're talking a 20 yard field goal. Okay. To win the yeah. game. Right. So it's in the bag. Right. So Cleveland 
decides, you know what? Screw this shit. We're going to. Oh, I did see this. I saw they literally carried Austin Eckler into the end zone. Yes. But what you didn't see is that they showed you the touchdown, right? But what you didn't see is the two plays earlier where Herbert looks at the side and goes, kneel like I kneel. And, and the coach is like, no, no, run the ball, run, run the play. What? Yes. And they ran the ball twice and Cleveland figured it out on the second run. Like, wait a minute. Because Eckler was just running it into the line uh, and throwing himself on the floor, right? How do how do these how do these coaches not know how to like how to manage games, manage end of game situations, or manage clock situations? It is it is just consistently bad across the league. It's amazing. Yeah. It must be and really hilarious. Hard. Is like Cleveland figured it out and they say, if these assholes run this ball again, we're just gonna like, carry him into the end. Zone. Like we're gonna we're gonna Rudy his ass into the end zone. Like you know like. Just carry him on our shoulders. And sure enough, they handed the ball off again. Uh, you know. That's that's crazy. You know, it's just it's just crazy. But, but yeah, uh, back to the game though. I mean, you, the offensive side of the ball, I thought was where I, I spent a lot because the defense we kind of predicted that they've been showing some cracks and maybe they were ready to get split wide open um, on this one, and that's what they that's what happened. But. Um, the offense, we're looking for them to take a step. And I, you know, I don't know what did you think? Did you did you think they did take a step? Yes, absolutely. And uh, I think it was a uh, I would say they play with more space. Yeah. I also like the you know the personnel usage w- was better. Um Savan Ahmed, you know, is not getting a- enough snaps for, for my liking, but let's face it, right. he dropped another ball on, on the perimeter. Although Brissett is just not, you know, he's not a he's not a running back friendly quarterback because he tends to 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 throw you rocket balls out in the flat and they're not mm-hmm. entirely too accurate. Two is the exact opposite. Two is extremely friendly to running backs out on the flat. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's you know, that's something that's gonna improve. Okay. And um you know, if if I didn't like one thing, uh, Gasecki, it seems I, I got to look at the all twenty two, but I'm told by people that have seen it that Gasecki was running, you know, open for most of the first half and was not getting looked at. But I thought that the game plan was a little bit more forward forward looking, and yeah, they ran into some some bad plays. If not, they could have had more points. It was. In my opinion, a winning effort against the Colts and a winning effort against the Raiders if they had that offense for either one of those two games. But they didn't, of course. So they picked the wrong game for Brissett to play actually pretty well. Because I thought he played, yeah, I thought he played, I would say he played great, but he played well. He played good enough to win against like a lesser opponent like the Colts or the Raiders. Well, at first, I was a really, uh, you know, during the game, I was, I was watching it unfold and I thought, this is, this is, more along the lines of what I was hoping for. And, um, and, and so I was actually pretty happy with that. And, uh, you know, as I kind of review and watch it back, I kind of like, okay, well there, but they were still, they were still throwing a lot of not, it, it's not just that a short passing short passing is one thing when it comes in like a, a real well-timed check down, you know, that underneath mm-hmm. under, and, and the, the Bucks were playing this this coverage like this um, this backing up coverage uh, all day, so they're they're keeping things underneath. So um, you know, with the spacing and the coverage, this is this is why Miles Gaskin had like ten receptions. Um, 
you, you throw it underneath that. And they were, they were playing, they were playing split safety a lot. They were playing, you know, um, but even when they weren't playing split safety, you know, the corners, the corners on the outsides, everything was like cover three and um, they were with lots of cushion. And so it was, it was just like the dolphins felt like they had to take that underneath and try and break the game open that way. And I understood it, but the timing of it looked a little bit fast to me still um, like, like we're just kind of accepting the check down and we're not, we're not even trying to see if we can get a little time and space to do something more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, that's kind of what's been driving me crazy uh, for, for the season and, um, and uh, still, still a little bit in this game, but I'll give them the credit that they, they operated as if, you know, Hey, we're going to pass the ball against this defense and we're going to live and die by it. And if something happens, then we're going to pass our way out of it. And that's okay. And, um, and so, and they put out better spacing. They, you know, they had Jacoby Brissett and shotgun and they're like, you know, Hey, pressure might get in on him, but you're a big boy. You've got to do something about it. And he did um, to his credit. And he got, he, he got really beat up during the game. Um, We're just watching this, like, you know, I don't know what they're showing on the TV, but like we're just watching it uh, from the press box and we're like, holy crap, this guy's getting beat up. Um, uh, he got injured. He actually got injured running. Yeah, he did. Uh, he got injured hamstring what? running. Oh, yeah. Was, well, when he, was, he got carted off the field and then carted back on, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, he actually faced the, the fewest pressures of any Dolphin quarterback all year. Twelve. Three sacks. Uh, he took he took hit there's no way there's no way he didn't he took less hits than than quarterbacks have been taking this year for us because he took some shots like they're they're a they're a fair amount of them we're watching it and it, mm. like he's slow to get up and um yeah i i think i think I that, that he Jesse was davis allowed shaq barrett <laughs> a free yeah again <laughs> and there's another picture of jesse davis like standing over his over quarterback like like you know just feeling clearly really bad like what did i do you know like um but yeah it's <laughs> that picture looks like jesse davis just looking down at the court uh, I, uh, I feel bad the corpse, for the guy sometimes but the corpse of jacoby Brissett. well they're pros i don't i only feel bad for college kids like like i'll yeah, be completely honest right, with right. you i felt terrible for the university of texas on Saturday, yeah. I was dying for them. Okay, they have played their hearts out. This is an important game. These are one of those games, the Red River rivalry. And for those of you who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh, University of Texas versus Oklahoma. Every every year, they play in the Cotton Bowl, and it's kind of important. Those are one of the games that you remember for the rest of your life, right? Like you, you mm-hmm. have your grandson on your knees. Like you know what? I played in that game once. You know, and well, I just here's... felt bad for the, for them, but. Pros, yeah, I, don't I, I saw the game too. I was when we were, we were commenting to each other on it, but um, yeah, yeah it was, but I don't feel bad for Jesse Davis at this point. Yeah, to go go do something else with your life. But but here's here's a, a curious thing, you know, to see what you make of this because it's like, all right, you know, if you look on the the PFF stats and stuff for the game, um, on the plays where Jacoby Brissett was kept clean. I mean, he had, he had quite a bad grade, <laughs> you know, and, and his passer rate and like his overall grade, like was, you was a 96, say. was a 96, but on the plays where he's kept clean, he had like an 87 passer rating and uh, like the average depth was 3.9 yards. Right. The, the old and, and, and 
the time to throw was 2.14 seconds. You know, this is the that's, stuff that's that kind of drives me. That's a little fast. Yeah, it's just a little bit. That's the kind of stuff that kind of drives me crazy is um is like the when it seems like before the play even starts, like this is this is what we're doing. We're throwing this short pass right away, getting the ball out of our hands. I mean, it was, it was less than seven yards per attempt. I mean, like I said, less than four yards depth of target. I mean, it's just that that stuff so they took steps they took steps in the right direction but they didn't take they didn't go all and get all the way there um and the reason that i think they couldn't go all the way there and we haven't talked about it yet but they made the offensive line adjustment that you wanted mm-hmm. uh, which is to say they put austin jackson inside at left guard which he i don't think he played since when 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 was last did he even play it in high school? high school i don't know uh, yeah, yeah, I think um, it's in high school. I think he mentioned it. He played it. He yeah. played it in high school. So, so first time, you know, just just throw him right in against uh, Vita Vea and and such, um, and and see how he does. So he goes into left guard, and Liam Eikenberg goes out to left tackle, even though he just got done saying that he feels like he's more balanced at right tackle. <laughs> what do you think? He, he, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to lean and stuff. Well, no, I see. But here's the thing: I, I went and. The narrative coming out of the game, I was was actually quite encouraging because, like I said, I had a sky view, and so I was, I was mostly, you know, I wasn't trying to pay much attention to the offensive line. I was watching the coverage and the the scheme and stuff like that, and and the narrative coming out of the game, you know, PFF grades Liam Eikenberg really well, and like, um, and Brian Flores gives a uh, kind of a full throated voice of support for for Austin Jackson continuing to play left guard. People and he, said, he that, said so today that this could be something more permanent going forward. Yeah, he did. He did. And and so like and I'm I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe this is you know, Austin Jackson and, and Elijah Vera Tucker in some ways reminded me of one another, their ta- their time at tackles at USC. And uh and v- Elijah Vera Tucker is a, a guard, um, left guard for the the Jets. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe this maybe this would work. I don't know. But then I watched the tape today. And I watched it pretty um, closely, which is always a mistake with this team. And I have to say that this, you know, on the positive side, this was his first game. And all things being equal, you think he's probably going to get better. Um, On the positive side as well, when we get into games where we're actually going to try and run a ball again, that's where I think we could see some exciting stuff with him at left guard. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the negative side, if he plays the way he played against Tampa Bay and he continues to do that, he is a ticking time bomb because he should have been called for holding about a half a dozen times. And for some reason, the referees were just letting blatant holes go and it wasn't just him you know it wasn't just him Liam Eikenberg was was guilty of it too Mm -hmm. and and you know that was concerning because you know we talk about the New England game Liam Eikenberg and we sing his praises we're like oh he did really well in the New England game except for those two holding calls one of which damn near lost the game for them you know um so like there are those two holding calls which are each as bad of a sack as as a sack 
And then I, I'm watching the tape of this game, and I'm like, well, he could have gotten hold, called for holding there easily. Like, that was pretty blatant. That one was pretty blatant. That was – so, uh, you know, Liam Eikenberg had, was was doing that. And, and I go back to him. He's saying, you know, I feel better balance a right tackle. At left tackle, I feel I felt like I needed to lean more. And I think that when he leans more, he gets into trouble and he starts wanting to hold. Um but anyway, Austin Jackson, like he was wanting to hold, like it seemed like every fourth play or something. It was, it was, it was kind of crazy. And um, he, it never got called. It was, it was very strange. But I think if he does that in future games, you know, a different officiating crew, they are going to call it. And the other thing that I, that I worry about is his lack of awareness is such that, um, first off, very rickety on stunts. Like, uh, and I don't think the, the Buccaneers really tested him that much that way, but very rickety in his awareness of, uh, of stunts and guys coming from, from, uh, other gaps over to, to his area. Um, but then also, and this is probably the most disturbing thing. It actually makes me question like, you know, is he, is he mentally all there or something? But like, there were probably three or four plays that were, maybe some of the most egregious instances of loafing in the middle of the play that I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and it's not even like, you know, it's not even like a guy like kind of, you know, doing that half, that half, um, half speed jog, you know, <laughs> like, you yeah. know, kind of like, you know, you know, the, the look that they, they do sometimes with the offensive linemen, they're big, they're big boys. And sometimes they don't just want to give it their all. And they look like they're going half speed. No, I'm talking no speed. I'm talking like in the middle of a play while Jacoby Brissett is like fighting for his life over there and getting hit and knocked around and trying to escape and throw the ball and stuff like that. He is standing there like a quarterback in between plays waiting for the call to come into his helmet. Like he's, he's literally just standing there and it's, 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 I'm like, I don't care. That's your first game at guard. This is not your first game as an offensive lineman, dude. <laughs> and you know, when has that like, ever when has that ever been acceptable and it's football uh and any football, position if nobody's blown a whistle okay in football it's not advisable to be standing around because you're liable oh to get God, run was, over <laughs> you know i'll put some video i'll put some videos up uh, uh but it, it was it was bad and i'm just like where is his head at when he's when he's looking like that where is his head at when he is, you know, when he's finding himself too far up the field and what's going to happen when Tua comes back and they do start running those RPOs again, because that's what they've decided to do when Tua is in the game, because that's what he's good at is, is mm. our, he's an RPO quarterback. Well, you can't be up the field on those RPOs. You'll get called for it. Um, you know, what's, what's going to happen when, when they start running those RPOs and he's going to, and he wants to find himself up the field and he's got this dumb fuck awareness. I'm sorry for my language, but like <laughs> there's, there is an issue here and it's, and it's, and he has nobody to blame, but himself, in my opinion, because there's some stuff in there that's like, I don't care that I don't know football and you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not in the room and I don't know what you're supposed to be doing and stuff like that. I know you're not supposed to be doing that. You know, um, so you're supposed like, to be finding stuff to do. Yeah, I mean, until, so until they I, blow until they blow the whistle. That's the way I, you am, play I am concerned. I am concerned because you know the 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 sack strip, which was a big play. You know that that was equally on 
uh, Austin Jackson as it was Liam Eikenberg because Austin Jackson was getting pushed right into Jacoby Brissett's lap, um, you know, nine yards back, nine yards deep. And actually Liam Eikenberg to, to try and to try and prevent Shaq Barrett from having a swipe at the quarterback when the quarterback could not step up at all is actually a really tough ask. Uh, and with that depth uh, on that play and um, and no, he couldn't execute it. And, and that's ultimately on his fault. But also Austin Jackson was just was in the guy's lap and it wasn't the only time. And so I wonder about this adjustment that they've made. Have they weakened the interior of the line, which is a big no, no when two is in the game, you mm-hmm. know, because he's a short quarterback and he's you know, he's, he doesn't I don't think he does great. When, you know, Jacoby Brissett's in there, he's six foot four and he weighs like 230 some odd pounds. Like sometimes he gets contacted and looks like it doesn't even bother him. You know, like, like mm-hmm. he's just like, he shakes it off. Two is not like that. You know, two is six foot oh and 215 pounds. And, and if, and if he's getting, if he's getting stuff right up the middle on him, it's going to be problems. And so if, if you've weakened the interior of that line, and he's going to have Austin Jackson in his lap all the time. Uh, and, and Greg Manx, who didn't have a great game either, um, in place of, uh, in place of Dieter. I, I, I did not walk away encouraged. I, I didn't walk away encouraged with the answer that they supposedly have found with the new offensive line combination, because not only is the right side clearly a mess still with Jesse Davis, right? (laughs) Clearly he's going to be standing over to his corpse next time. And, you know, singing, singing dust in the wind. Um, But I think that uh, I think that left side maybe has some more problems than people want to admit. Yeah, I think that they made a lot of choices this offseason that have blown up in their face on that offensive line. Really? Has. I never thought and I'd I, say I, this. I'm honestly, missed, I'm, I'm honestly surprised. They miss Eric Flowers. It's a fact. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised, you know, as, as somebody who just thought, you know, okay, a unit can be a weakness, but you can work around it. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah, not like this. There's just so many layers to it, and it just sets off such a cascade of failures as we were joking about on Twitter um, and, and, and what it is. And, and part of it is self-inflicted too, because it's how you adjust to it where you, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot in the ways that you, uh, that you try and adjust to it and act scared of it, but it, it's, it's overhung everything. And I'm a little surprised that something that one unit could do that. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that that they could actually short circuit a, a team as bad as they have, but yet here we are. Here we are. <laughs> here we are with that. Now the way forward, I don't know if they're going to do any anything else on on the offense, but uh, on the offensive line. But uh, Tua seems to be throwing this week. It looks like he will return. But before we get into that, uh, very briefly at the end of the show. Uh, perform, which is Tua Tungvaluwa's training outfit. They also trained, uh, I believe, uh, Will Fuller, Jordan Scarlett. Uh, there's a few other players on the yeah, team. I saw a list of them. It was, it was fairly impressive. It's an impressive list. They tweeted out a, f- a few things that they have since deleted, but essentially they alluded to 
Brian Flores not being easy to talk to and yeah. having, quote-unquote, lost the locker room. And they did many more things, okay? Um, I talked to some people today, and this was a complete meltdown by this outfit today with the media and with certain media members. That goes much deeper than all of those tweets that you actually saw and that they since deleted what the hell do you make of this and like does Tua because look he's gonna be the starting quarterback on Sunday all right 9 30 in the morning in London which means that if you're the starting quarterback you talk to the media on Tuesday I can guess what the first question is going to be it's not going to be <laughs> welcome back Tua you know how do you yeah, feel right. how, do, how, do, how do those ribs feel buddy I don't think mm-hmm. that's going to be the first question First of all, what do you make with make of it? And Tua has to address this, doesn't he? He he does have to address it, and that's unfortunate. And that's 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 the the beef that I had with the guy who just started popping off on Twitter um, because it's like you just you drew your client into this, like and and, he, and afterwards he tried, oh, don't make this about Tua. This is nothing to do with Tua. I'm just saying stuff that everybody knows. You know, it's like okay, all right, dude, sure. You, mm-hmm. you actually did make it about to it like you like in his in his tweets if you if you watch what he is sort of alluding to things that like Tua would have told him and um yeah so it's it's absolutely it's gonna it's it's gonna have to be answered for it's unfortunate it's stupid does this mean I, the better question is how much should we read into it does this mean that Tua is really frustrated with Brian Flores? Um, if he is, like, well, let me put it this way. If he weren't frustrated with Brian Flores, I would be surprised. Because mm-hmm. Brian Flores is the dude that benched him a couple of times last year, which really set off this entire um, this entire storyline all off season long, which was that, you know, we don't really know anything about Tua and like, he's always oh, not as good as so-and-so and he's not, a, you know, he's, I don't think he's a good quarterback because he got benched. He didn't have a good rookie year, even though like, you know, statistically and winning wise and just execution wise, I thought he did have a good rookie year for a rookie quarterback. People don't understand how, what rookie quarterbacks are normally like, um, and, uh, and so I think that, uh, I think that he's, he, he has to think that Brian Flores hasn't done him any, any favors. Um, and I think personally, Brian Flores wants it that way, because I think that Brian Flores kind of, you know, he grew up in New York, he grew up and grew up in Brooklyn with, uh, Bill Parcells, you know, on the giants. And, um, and I think that he's sort of in, more in the Parcells school even than the Belichick school, as far as uh, the relationship with the quarterback and, and with his players, like he wants to break them down, break them and then build them back up. And, um, and I think that uh, I think that he's, you know, we've seen that with episodes with like Kenny stills and stuff like that. Um, Things Mm -hmm. that were just seemed provocative. And and I think that that's his style. And, uh, and so I wouldn't, if you're Tua, how could you not be, you know miffed by your head coach if if that's the way he plays it you know yeah. you're supposed I, I, to be I, I, you're supposed to uh, be that's the point <laughs> yeah I, I i i have a few things on that um on the kenny stills thing i thought that he meant it a little bit more playfully and kenny took it as bad as you can take it and i got the sense that 
that it surprised Brian Flores and Brian Flores' reaction to that was, well, you know what? Fuck you. I'll just trade you. I'll get rid of you. And I'll throw you into this Tunsil deal to get you yeah, out. Yeah, but of it was it was still provocative. I mean, it was still it was still like he was he was provoking. He played music. I, he played music. I know. <laughs> he was but he he did it, he did it on purpose. And and he had there were there was I mean, there was provocative stuff between him and, and Minka Minka Fitzpatrick as well. And hmm. um and I think that listen, let let's let's not let's not be biased here let's put the put together the objective facts there's there's the kenny stills episode with that happened there's the make fitzpatrick episode where a guy who is supposed to be a coach's darling all of a sudden becomes captain chaos and in, in practice and he won't and he won't do anything <laughs> that he's asked and and he's it's demanding when you a say trade. Captain, captain chaos because i get the the image of the south park character captain yeah that's chaos, exactly running yeah, around in practice say, causing yeah that's and that's what he was doing that is exactly what he was doing he put on his tinfoil helmet and like started you know <laughs> and and that's and this is a guy that was a darling uh a, a coach's you know a coach's um dream in college and uh, was drafted in the first round in no small part because of that. And and so, and I was so there's told, that. There's and various players. About, yeah, and we talked about it on the podcast, but I was told that the Dolphins were like, you know what, we're going to try Fuck you, we're not trading you. Because at the point, I think that they thought they weren't going to get a first-round pick out of it. But as Chris Greer was working the phones to try to get at least a first-round pick back for Minka Fitzpatrick, and he actually hooked somebody, he hooked the Steelers, uh, they brought in the owner. They brought everybody they could bring in. And Minka was a fa- essentially telling him, I don't care who you bring in here. I don't want to play for this guy. I want out of here immediately. So, I mean, not sooner. but, but add, that, uh, add that to the pile, which already includes, you know, firing Chad O'Shea after a year, um, firing an offensive line coach before in his first during training camp. Um, yes. he's on, he's on his fourth, what is he, is his fourth offensive line coach and fourth, his, fourth uh, offensive line coach in 18 months. <laughs> yeah. And, and on his third offensive coordinator, uh, in three years. And Although, to be fair, Googs was brought in as an emergency measure. He wasn't supposed to be here for, for too long. Well, I mean, it's part of it though. I mean, they certainly, they certainly, parted ways with one another um and you know he part and think about the defensive side uh what's his name the the first defensive coordinator he was supposed to be um you know he's supposed to have a bright future and everything and then uh then one year later he's dismissing him and i think that uh there's i've heard some things about what's going on offensively and then you know with the offensive coordinators plural um yeah and, Although it's been streamlined. Uh, it, it, well, it has. And I was told, I was told that this was, I was told by somebody that that is exactly what's going to happen. And it was early in the week after the, after the Colts game, they were like, yeah, this is what's uh, for those happen. who don't know. It seems like George Godsey, it's George Godsey's show for now. Yeah. And he's talking directly to the quarterback now, you know, Charlie Fry is not doing it. So I was told some things or very early in the week. And it was like, Oh, okay. And, um, and this is what's going to happen. George Godsey is going to be, is going to, is essentially going to be taken over. Um, but I've also heard along those lines from the same sources, uh, some backstory about, you know, sort of the back and forth between Flores and Godsey. Um, 
and the other coach and the other uh, offensive guys going all the way back to preseason. I don't think Flores is an easy guy to work for. I, I really don't. And whether you're a player or whether you're a coach and, and if there's anything that's going to kill him, that's it. You yeah. Know? And, and, and I'll say uh, this and I, and, I, and I'll say this, uh, Patrick Graham, who was the first DC here. Okay. That's the guy. Okay. If you remember, there was no COVID at the time. So I had much better access than I do now. And uh, now they keep, they keep the, the media, even though you're vaccinated and you have your vaccination card and you register with the NFL, as I did, you're not allowed on the field while there's live action. You had to sit in the stands and you had to keep your distance from all the players. It used, to, it used to not be that way. So you used to be kind of intimately involved with the real action, okay? Patrick Graham was really, really involved with that defense all of camp. I understand that was a terrible roster in 2019 okay sure. uh but he was you know involved with the roster he was involved you know with the personnel groupings he was involved with the play calls okay uh, i was told essentially that patrick graham left because he felt you know what i didn't sign up for this because hmm. brian flores was essentially taking over play calling during games and essentially telling patrick graham to step aside <laughs> I'm going to call the plays here in the second half and I'm going to run personnel, you know, and, you know, I don't know. Uh, Funny moment last year. You remember the infamous Cardinals game, which was really exciting game. Do you remember how exciting Brian Flores, how excited Brian, Brian Flores was after the game, after winning that game, slapping high fives, hugging Tua Tunga Vailoa. Do you remember what also happened in that game? No. He was missing three defensive coaches and five offensive coaches, and he was taking oh, over that's like right. four. Yeah. So maybe that's why he was so happy because he was in charge of everything. Yeah, he's, he just wants to be in charge. I mean, there's yeah, you you hear some things even about his um, maybe like taking taking some uh, ownership, whatever, uh, on the offensive side. Even um, look, I'll reveal it. I'll reveal it here, and I don't care. You know what backlash I get. Um, I was told, and I told you. Okay, uh, in, in a private chat, a pretty strong rumor, pretty good um, uh, indication that Brian Flores took over play calling for one offensive series in the Colts game. To make matters worse, they scored a touchdown on that series. Yeah, I've I've heard, <laughs> not know, I've heard, I've heard that he, you know, that that Godsey was calling some plays in the preseason, and like there was a series that Flores didn't like. And, you know, you, you really, you know, questioned him on that. And um, and then, you know, curiously, Charlie Fry has got a bigger hand all of a sudden and, and a lot of things. And now now Charlie Fry has not got a hand in anything now because he's not even relaying the calls anymore. It's it's just nah, he holds a, he holds a, a tablet now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and do, oh, oh and, and let's let's not forget last year. Um, the quarterbacks coach was the quarterbacks coach until he got COVID. And then George Godsey was the quarterbacks coach, mm-hmm. even when the guy came back from COVID. Yes. <laughs> you know? And, and so, I mean, I'm just like, you see all this stuff, it's all clouding around him and it's like, yeah, maybe, he, maybe he is really hard to work for. And, and if anything's going to get you killed, you know, if whatever, got, whatever got you hired is, is what's going to get you fired. 
and he got hired to have good defense and they have one of the worst defenses in the league. They, their defense is actually comparable to the defense that they were fielding at the beginning of the year in 2019 mm-hmm. when they had zero personnel and yeah. you know, they had no personnel and they were, they were getting housed by these uh, these offenses and they're doing it's the same thing right now, except they have all kinds. Of, he's been given lots of resources here. Yes. Lots of resources yes. on the defensive side of the ball. They cannot be playing this way. Yeah. Cannot. Now on the uh to close this out on the tool front, you, you mentioned it. Okay. Um, like who's actually, you know, who's spreading this stuff and you know, does Tua feel wanted? Does he feel like playing here? Let me ask you. Uh, would you like going to a place where you felt like everybody was plotting against you? <laughs> Would you? Well, even, I though, mean, even, even though I mean, you think you, of the Deshaun Watson thing. I mean, it's just like Simon's rant last week. They're trying to replace the guy with a, a an alleged sex offender. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta wear on to a, there's to a, no way. There's no way he feels wanted. Okay. Uh, with this team, first of all, yeah. First of all, there's some media members that don't want him, okay? I am certain there's some coaches that don't want him. There's some front office people that don't want him. Uh, I'm sure that there's uh, uh, some of the wise men, you know, don't want him. And when I speak of the wise men, I'm talking about alumni, Dolphin alumni, meaning, you know, all the names that you know, the Zonkas, the Marinos, the OJ McDuffies, et cetera, et cetera. There's many of them. And if you think that there's just five of them, no. It's about 30 or 40 of them that are around the team, okay? 30 to 40 around the team at all times. Most of them don't want him. There's radio hosts that don't want him. There's, I would say, if they did a secret straw poll of who wants Tua Tungvalu to be the the quarterback on this team, I would say that he loses 60-40 maybe. And everybody has it in their head. Go get the sexy young thing. We've had enough. Go get... Deshaun Watson, make a run at Aaron Rodgers, do whatever. And he's just not wanted here. It's just he's going to have to play his way out of that. Can he? It it starts this week. Well, it sets up up pretty well for him because the only game he played, they won. And then they dropped four straight where he didn't really play. And and now he plays the Falcons and the Jaguars and, well, reverse order, sorry. Um, and he also plays the Texans and, you know, they, they get, they get some, a, a nice slate. He's got an opportunity just looking at the schedule. He's got an opportunity to finish the year like seven and six as the starter maybe. And, um, and whereas there were zero and four without him and, or not as a starter, but as the main quarterback in the game, because I don't think I'm not counting the Buffalo game, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so I think that uh, he has a chance to state his case and be like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm still a winning quarterback, and um, and they've got a chance to do that here. And, and provided Flores and Boyer can get stabilized this defense, it's really baffling. There's no excuses for it. They have the personnel. And and even think about this. They drafted two two rookies who are, who are having a high impact right now, Javon Holland and Jalen Phillips. So in addition to all this money that you've got in the secondary, uh, in addition to, you know, like having the same safeties that Eric Rowe is in, has been in this defense for a while now, Brandon Jones on a second year in the defense, um, 
you know, you got you got Jason McCourty, the guy that's familiar with your defense already and is already voted a captain, you know, just just got here. Uh, Jerome Baker, big money contract. You got your Orlando Roberts back. You, you got Christian Wilkins and uh, and and Emmanuel Agba and uh, Raekwon Davis and a freebie in Zach Sealer, who is actually the best defensive lineman on the team, probably. Mm-hmm. Um and and I'm not I don't mean that as a as denigrating the other guys like he's he's just very good. So you got all of this, and now on top of it, you got Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland who are genuinely playing well. And your defense is playing like this. Yeah. What in God's name? What in blue hell is going on here? You know that's that's the question. So they've got to stabilize that. I, I think they probably will, but. Um, you know, that's again, like that'll that'll get you fired pretty quickly. You, oh, although I will say this: <laughs> two of uh, they had two has twelve games left. He finishes six and six. That's just not good enough. Um, judging by my my trusty futures book right here, they are possible favorites in eight of the last twelve games. They have to win a minimum of these eight games, meaning that that two has to go. What what would that be? Eight and. No, he will go nine and four as a starter. Yeah, it, it, well, nine and um, yeah, nine and four, nine and yeah, four nine with and four. Uh, the other guy going zero and four. Yeah, so that's just the bare minimum, and I really do believe that. In, in that, I think if you're favored at home, you win. Period. I don't go. Um, no excuses. You win. If you win by a field goal, that's great. If you were favored by fifteen points and you won by a field goal, I'm fine with that too. If you're an underdog on the road, you should lose. If you're a favorite on the road, win. You know, but again, again, we go back to it. Do you think? Do you think Tua can play and take the shots that Jacoby Brissett has been taking? You know, with his playing style and his, you know, he's he's got kind of a never give up attitude. That's why he gets injured. Um, and I, you know, I this offensive line reshuffle that they just did. I'm not convinced that that's it. I mean, we we know the right side isn't it, but I'm not mm-hmm. even convinced that the left side is it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure it's going to be enough. We shall see. We're going to see on Sunday. We're going to talk about it on Wednesday for sure. Uh, another thing that we have to talk that you know you have to watch is he's going to be practicing this week. There's no way he's going to be sharp and on the ball on Sunday. There should be some rust. You know, he hasn't done maybe. A lot I, of you know, with him, with him, he's a he's a guy. He's a guy that seems to really respond mm-hmm. when you know, when, when really, and I, I bet you he's super pissed off about being put on IR because he was convinced that he could come back for that that Vegas game, I think. Uh, and, yeah, um, uh, I'm told, I'm told, and we talked about this, and I think we even mentioned it on, on the podcast. Um, he was like, yeah, yeah, I can play. I can play. And they told him, we can't let you play in this yeah. Vegas game. And then he was like putting out feelers to people that knew him, and you could guess who those people are, media you know maybe a certain trainer that's on twitter like causing a mess and those people were telling everybody he's playing next week you don't have to worry about anything you know he's playing yeah he's playing against the colts definitely you know yeah and like that's happening and then and maybe even the Raiders. you know yeah exactly and then boom ir you know so that tells you all you need to know it's going to be really interesting on sunday 
I wouldn't be surprised. And you remember, remember he plays, he plays with instinct and feel. And that's, that's one of the hopes that you have for the guy. Because remember I talked about how Brady plays this game very instinctively and personally. Mm-hmm. And I think that Tua plays this game very instinctively and personally. Um, and, you know, he's, he's, he's not the student in the game. Maybe, maybe some people thought that he was, but, um, but he's getting there. He's still a young player. Um, and they didn't have a deep scheme at Alabama. So I think that um, I think that he's getting there. And, you know, once he learns that language, you know, listen, I, I you can anybody can learn the English language that doesn't make them a poet. I think that um, I think that once he gets gets on board with the scheme, you know, when he gets a, a, the proper depth of knowledge, um, then you'll start to see him flower. But I think that um I wouldn't be surprised if he's I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the ball in this next outing that he has like he's like he's really on it. Um, it just seems like he's he, he gets he drives himself crazy and then will will play really well sometimes or it seems like it, he does. Oh, all right. Well, when we talk to you guys on Wednesday, we'll be talking about a game in London that. Simon might or might not attend and he might or might not be with us on Wednesday. Let's hope he is. Okay. And he's, out I think of he, if he attends, you think he's going to have like one of those IV bag, like, you know, things like just, just oh, rolling I, with him. Oh God. I hope so. Oh man. This will be great. I got to hope. And I hope he takes a lot of pictures and we, and we post them all over Twitter and only fans. Mm, of definitely. course, you know, and you know, maybe, maybe he spills it in the press conference. Oh, with Brian Flores, you know, if they lose, if they lose, he should spill it. I'll, I'll like, give him, I'll give him a direct order from you and me. Like, you know, like Flores trip, trips over his IV. Like. <laughs> yes. Something like that. Well, we gave you a long show. Okay. And we talked a lot. There was a lot of stuff to cover. Okay. On Wednesday, it'll be a much shorter show. Cause we're just going to talk about a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars and urban Meyer. All right. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.